Hello, this is David Sangster, lead pastor at New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired. Enjoy the message. But I am so glad that she did, and we talked, and, and I, I was in, in prayer this morning over this, looking over my notes, and something's changed. Is that okay? Yeah, because it could probably get a change in about three seconds. Anyway, so... Today, the big idea of the message is this. Jesus came to bring peace to a broken world. He wants us to live this kind of peace-filled life on a daily basis. Ouch! You mean in 2020? Yes. This one hit to the heart of this guy. I have some problems I don't know if you do, but I have some problems with peace when things are going bad. And maybe you have a situation in your life, maybe it's a, an illness or a relationship thing. I don't, you know, the relationships can be all over the map. Maybe it's a job thing. And we, we, we say, Jesus came to bring us peace. And we're saying, yeah, but that's really hard. I got this thing. Maybe it's easier for some people to find peace. And you know what? That might be true. That, might, that actually might be true. But it's been my experience, and this is interesting, it's been my experience that the people who are on, uh, that have, are going, I should say, going through something, when they tap in to Jesus, remarkably, they tend to receive more peace than people who are just going through the regular stuff. We complain about the regular. I mean, listen, I don't have any more problems than the regular Joe. There are some people who are struggling today more than I am. And I guarantee you, many of them, if they've tapped into Christ, somehow have more peace than I do on days, some days. And that's really the crux of the issue. Will we let... The Prince of Peace, bring us peace. He came to bring us peace. Will that be our reality? Down through the ages, we had transformed Christmas into very interesting tradition. Traditions. We have made it into an extravaganza of holiday frenzy. You like that sentence? Worked long and hard on that sentence right there. Extravaganza of holiday frenzy frenzy, and you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. We like the extravaganza. My wife and I went to a mall last night. Why in the world? On a date night, less than a week from Christmas, when our shopping is done. It's been done for weeks. We're that people. We went to a mall. Why? Because we just hadn't, we didn't, because we got done so early, we didn't feel like we got the I don't know, the frenzy. And we wanted to be in the mall with a bunch of people and get pushed around and, you know, yelled at because we were walking the wrong way down the mall corridor. Hey, you're on the wrong side. Sorry. But we, we kind of like it. It's part of our traditions, the frenzy, the, the, the franticness of it. Incorporating elements from different religions, both pagan and Christian, ethnic traditions and popular culture, our Christmas holiday has become... Very interesting. We have jolly old St. Nick, right? Who, based on your geography, 
looks and acts very different based on where you were brought up. He's got a whole bunch of different things he does. We have flying reindeer. One with a very shiny nose. We have elves that make toys. Okay. We have living snowmen who smoke corn cob pipes. We have a Grinch that stills Christmas. And we have Big Brother, elves on shelves, who inform on you your behavior. I, I, I couldn't get over that new tradition. Elf on the shelf. He's basically a little spy. He is. That's what he is. He's a little spy. You put him in different places and he watches you and he sees if you've been naughty or nice. And we like this thing? If that's your tradition, you go for it. But can you throw up the traditional nativity scene up here? I want to show you something. This is what we would call a traditional nativity scene. Right? So now we have all these traditions. We have all these superfluous, but we even have them in the Christmas story. Many of our beliefs about Christmas and the birth of Jesus come from years of tradition rather than from the actual Bible story itself. For example, how did Mary get to Bethlehem? A, on a camel. B, on a donkey. C, Joseph carried her on his back. Or D, none of, these, none of the above. A donkey, right? That's the, that's the common answer. Do you know that there's not a donkey mentioned in the Word of God at all about bringing Mary to? It's not in there. It's actually not in there. Go look. You're like, no, that's not true. I said to Lisa, she's like, that's not true. It's not in there. We have this, this you know, what is it called? The um, Mandela effect. Ever heard of Mandela effect? Where people think things are true because collectively we've decided that it's true even though it's not true? Like the, the Monopoly guy. Does he have a monocle? Does the Monopoly guy have a monocle? Does he? Everybody's like, hmm? Does the Monopoly guy have a monocle? No, he does not have a monocle. Everybody thinks the Monopoly guy has a monocle, but he doesn't have a monocle. In fact, there was a, it was a movie, a silly movie, uh, Mr. Deeds, by, what's his name, uh, Adam Sandler. And they were, wanted to put this Monopoly guy in the movie just for a, a small second. And there was a big debate as to whether they should have a monocle or not. And they said, we know the Monopoly guy does not have a monocle, but if we put him in the movie without a monocle, nobody will know what we're talking about because everybody believes he has a monocle. That's the Mandela effect. We do this with Christmas. There is no donkey in the Christmas story. Zero. Now, here's the thing. There's a very good chance that Mary rode on a donkey. I'm not saying that that's not, you know, good storytelling, because he's in the manger. Look at him. He's right here. He's obviously there. Okay, so how about the three kings? Wait a minute. Were there really three According to the tradition, there were three kings, uh, Balthazar, Malchior, and Gaspar. Again, this information has been disseminated through the traditions and cannot be found in the biblical text at all. I'm ruining everybody's Christmas. They're like, I thought I was going to Christmas to have fun. 
No, your Christmas stinks. No. Uh, the reason we have three kings is because they gave three gifts. There may have been three. There, there very well may have been three. But were they really kings? All right, it blew your mind. Okay, anyway. So let's take one more. The song. What song did the angels sing to the shepherds to announce Jesus' birth? The assumption is that the angels were a choir and they were singing praises to God. The text actually says this, and I will read it to you. And suddenly, there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those and whom he is pleased. We don't even know if they sang. You are ruining my Christmas, Pastor. They may just been, when we look at the Old Testament, we see the angels around the throne. We hear them just shouting out in loud voices, praise to God. Guess what? They may have sang it. It doesn't really rhyme, so I don't know how they did it. But do you see how we, we, we make things up about, and here's the important, this is why I'm saying this to you today. A lot of these things are not important as to why Jesus came. If you want to have a nativity set where, he, where, where Mary rode a donkey, have at the donkey is not important. Neither is the elf on the shelf. Though it's a very sweet tradition, I guess. But, okay. This belief about them singing has found many Christmas songs, because Christmas songs are very important, but it's not found in the Bible. We assume the choir of angels singing because of the traditions. Now, here's the truth. There was a huge group of angels who were praising God, period. That's in the word of God. Huge group praising God. All right, what we do know for sure is that the angelic host announced the birth of Jesus to a group of shepherds watching their sheep in the hill country outside of Bethlehem. Whether they sang or shouted, it's not as important as what they were proclaiming and whom they chose to proclaim it. Now, let's get into the text. For the sake of this message, we're going to call it, we're going to say they sang. Because the series is called Lyrics of Christmas. So we've got we to tie it in somehow. Luke chapter 2. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. This is the quintessential, whoa, sorry Jesus. Didn't mean that. This is the quintessential Christmas story. And I want to read you a portion of it. We're going to read 8 through 14 right here. It says this. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Stop. Good news of great joy. This is the same tidings that were brought to Zechariah last week. I bring you good news. Remember he said, or we could say the gospel. I bring you good news. I bring you great tidings, good news of great joy, which will be for 
Some of the people. Well, only the rich people. Or only the elites. Or only a certain ethnic group. Or only, what does it say? All. Everybody say all. And you know what all means? All. All means all. Without exception. All the people. All the people. Um, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, very important, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Can you imagine being there that night? If you look at the geography of the city, the town of Bethlehem, the little town of Bethlehem, and the song. It's this, it's an undulating geography. There's hills, and, and then the town itself is kind of on a, on a hilltop, and then there's all these areas outside that are just hilly, and, and right now they're kind of urban. Um, but right then, they were not. This city was very unimportant in that time in history. And we're going to also talk about other things that are unimportant. Can you imagine just the multi, every bit in a, and I always wanted to do this. I know my Aunt Marsha has done this before. Um, go to a place where there is no light pollution and just look up and see the expanse of the sky. I would love to do that someday. I'm going to do that someday. Just to see the Milky Way and all of its splendor. But cutting through that splendor was this Host, host could mean thousands of angels. And if they were singing, man, I'm sure it was pretty awesome. If they were shouting it, I'm, pure, I'm sure it was terrifying. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. We're going to talk about that peace on earth among those in whom he is pleased. Think about this for a second. Remember we talked a little while back about the good shepherd? That passage that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Remember we said that the, the, the rest of the passage is contingent on Jesus being your, your shepherd? Lord is my shepherd. If you make him your shepherd, then you can expect all the things from the rest. Look at this. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Without the first, you cannot have the second. We are people that are constantly trying to make this world better without the highest. God in the highest. We want to we wanna reform and we want to do and we want to make and we want to build and we want to program and we want to do all these things to make this world so great, but we've left out the key. And that is that humans must give glory to God who is in the highest. And then, and only then, can we have peace on this earth. And I'm not even talking, listen, listen, folks, I'm not even talking about, like, you know, the, the beauty pageant answer. 
Oh, do you want peace on earth? That's not what I'm talking about. I, I believe this, this book right here that says peace ain't coming until the king of kings comes back. I'm not talking about that peace on earth. I'm talking about peace on, on this earth. That's the peace we can actually look to. All right. Without the first, you can't get the second. Luke 2, 15 through 16. We keep going here. 15 through 16. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see the things that, he has, that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. That us is a big us. That the Lord has made known to us. Who is us? That's these shepherds. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. In this time period, shepherds were, weren't particularly seen as very valuable. They were basically what we would call, at, at their best, we would call them average Joes. It's incredible to think that that's who the angels proclaimed the message of Jesus to. The very first time. To the average Joe. And in some cases, I'll, I'll give you the history of it. Um, Randy Alcorn did an article in his uh, website, Eternal Perspective Ministry, says this. In Christ's day, shepherds stood on the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. They shared the same un, uh, unenviable status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. Yay. Only Luke mentions them. Luke is the only one who mentions them. During the time of the patriarchs, shepherds uh, shepherding was a noble occupation. We're going back in the Old Testament. Shepherding was a noble occupation. Shepherds are mentioned early in Genesis, uh, starting beginning with Abel, right? And then over in Genesis 4:20, we uh, where Jabel is called the father of those living in the tents and raising livestock. In nomadic societies, everyone, whether sheik or slave, was a shepherd. In a nomadic lifestyle, you, were, you raised and you, you would move with the herd. And this is just what you did. This is, this is how you were. The wealthy son of Isaac and Jacob, they tended flocks. Jethro, the priest of Midian, employed his daughters as shepherdesses. Okay? When the tribe of Israel uh, migrated to, to Egypt, they encountered a lifestyle foreign to them. The Egyptians were agriculturists agriculturalists. There we go. Pharaoh's clean-shaven court looked down on the rugged shepherd's sons of Jacob. Joseph matter-of-factly informed his brothers this, every shepherd is detestable to the Egyptians. Joseph's like, you're going to come here, we're going to take care of you, but you got to know that they're not going to accept you. Shepherds, every shepherd is detestable to the Egyptians. Around 1000 BC, David emerges as a king, uh, temporarily raising the image of the shepherd. He romanticizes the image of the shepherd, the shepherd to king storyline. It's like rags to riches. And then we have a lot of talking positively about shepherds in the texts and writings, even the Psalms, things like that. But by the time we get to Rome's occupation, which is not a nomadic time. It's very uh, 
in their sense, industrialized and very mechanized and very uh, centered on urban centers, now the shepherd has really lost his value. By the time of Christ, shepherds did not just lose its uh, widespread appeal, it uh, forfeited its social acceptability. Think, look at this. Some shepherds earned their poor reputations. Obviously, some of them did. But others became victims of cruel stereotypes. We don't know what that is, do we? Yes, we do. The religious leaders maligned the shepherd's good name. Listen to this. Rabbis banned pasturing sheep and goats in Israel except in desert plains. These are the, these are the rabbis. The Mishnah, Judaism's written record of the oral law, also reflects this prejudice with one passage saying, no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. <laughs> Can you picture that? Hey, I see you down there. You want a hand? Sure. Yeah, I could use a hand. What do you do for a living? I'm a shepherd. See ya. That's what it was. That's crazy. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Shepherds were deprived of all civil rights. They could not fulfill judicial offices or be admitted to court as a witness. Into the social context of religious snobbery and class prejudice, God's Son stepped into their reality. How surprising and significant that Father God handpicked lowly, unpretentious shepherds to first hear the joyous news. It's a boy. He's the Messiah. Talk about your epic reveal parties. You know these things that are happening now? This, this, this happened after we had all of our children. It got really popularized where you'd like, I don't know, swing a baseball bat at something and then the, the insides would burst and you'd find out if it's pink or blue. I, it's foreign to me. But apparently the Bible is all about reveal parties. Because the angels uh, didn't, didn't uh, mince words. They didn't use uh, pink powder or blue powder, but they just, they sang, or they, maybe they didn't, I don't know. Luke 2, continue on here. Luke 2, 17 through 20. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it has been told, as it had been told to them. One of the reasons, I believe, that angels came to the shepherds was because not many people would believe them. They, they, their word was not even acceptable in a court of law. They could not be used as a witness. Well, this shepherd saw that guy kill that guy. I'm sorry, we can't take his, <laughs> we can't take his word for it because he's a shepherd. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's crazy, right? But you often see Jesus, when he's doing miracles throughout his time in ministry, he'll say, don't tell anybody. Don't, don't tell anybody. My time has not yet come. Don't tell anybody. Uh, even I said it the other day, remember Mary said, gave him the look? Do we know if, what if Mary 
knew that her doing that would have started the clock to the crucifixion of her son. Think about that. He said, it's, woman, it's not my time yet. Give me a few more years. I want to just be with you and my friends, and then we'll get in the ministry we'll start. But as soon as he did that miracle, clock started. So maybe the angels picked the shepherds because they knew that, because God wanted somebody to know he was there. And so, somebody to come and worship him. But he didn't want to, he wouldn't want to get back to Herod quite yet. Because we know the, 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 the wise men lumbered up just minutes after the show. No. They actually didn't. Here's another one to kill your Christmas nativity scene. We understand probably the, the wise men came a year to two years after the manger scene. And in fact, if you read the word of God, ooh, what an, read, it says that they found her in a house you should picture Jesus like toddling around at this point. And it was at that point that Herod found out about him. And what did Herod do immediately? He went, he, he went hunting. So that's just my, I, I, I have no scriptural backing, but it's just interesting that the people who would, could never be believed were the ones to start spreading the message. funny how God works. All right. That's, that part wasn't in this morning's text either. So here we go. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those in whom he is pleased. The NIV says this, on earth, peace to those whom his favor, on whom his favor rests. Peace in this life is not attached to how much money you have or what kind of job you have or what kind of toys we have. And I'm not just talking to the kids. We all got our toys. They just get expensiver. The toys I want these days, I can't ask for for Christmas because that would just be inappropriate. They, they cost way too much for for that. But we all have our things, that the, the stuff that we desire, the stuff that we want. Peace on earth, peace in our lives are not contingent on those. Peace on earth can only be found in bringing, being right with God. Knowing that he has this life and the next under his control. Often we struggle because our culture focuses on the important people. Scripture shows us time and time again that God's ways are completely different than the world's ways. In fact, it's basically upside down. It's basically opposite world. The kingdom of God is always seems to be running in direct opposition to the kingdoms of this world. What we think said the last will be first and the first will be last. If you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you've got to become like a child. The meek shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
Jesus is constantly setting up the marginalized of society as an example of those to whom God's favor rests. Children, the poor, women, repentant sinners, like sinner sinners, faith-filled Gentiles. When we get down to it, we strip away the millennia of supplementary traditions and superfluous embellishments. What is Christmas all about? It's about Jesus ushering in a new reality that allows humans to be at peace. A new reality that allows humans to be at peace with God. Before that time, it wasn't possible. There was a great chasm between relationship with human, human relationship with one another and our relationship with God. There, there was no way to get there, and Jesus ushers in this concept of now we can have peace with God. We can only have peace with him. We can also live in peace with God. John 14, 27 says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. The person I wanted to get into the, into the Oval Office isn't going to get in. So? That, you're going to let that destroy your peace? What does it say? Peace I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Neither be afraid. Oh, but you don't understand. Uh, this COVID thing is driving me crazy. This pandemic's freaking me out, and I'm nervous and scared. I get it. You should be careful. But you can't let it steal your peace. Don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Listen, I'm preaching to myself here, folks. Maybe there's somebody else who can join with me on that. It's about living a life that not only experiences the peace of God, but exudes the peace of God. That's where it gets tough. Romans 14, 19, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Let's pursue the things that make for peace. Well, I don't feel very peaceful these days. It's not what it says. It says, didn't say pursue peace when you feel like it. It said, do it. Pursue things. Let us pursue things that make for peace and the things that one may edify another. By understanding what Jesus has already done for us, we are better equipped to live lives of peace with him. Think about the gifts you're going to give this, this, this Christmas. One of the traditions we have in our, in our world is this concept of... Um, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake or you won't get any presents. 
further, you might even get some coal just to put an exclamation point on your rottenness. It's not what Jesus did. It's not what Jesus did. He said, while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. It's a gift. He gives it freely. You have the opportunity to receive it or you can reject it. In fact, it has nothing to do with how good you were this year. Remember, he came proclaimed to the shepherds, the marginalized, the maligned. It doesn't matter what you've been or what you've done. Jesus is calling out, he gave his son as a gift to all mankind. And all we need to do is receive the gift of Jesus Christ And we can have peace on this earth and peace with God. That is an awesome gift. Better than a PlayStation 5. Kids are like, what? I'm telling you, folks, it is the best gift ever given, and it's given freely, and it has no contingency on it. It just, if you receive it, you got it. In order to experience Christmas the way it's meant to be experienced, we must make every effort to keep Christ in Christmas. Christmas. It's got his name in it. Now, here's the thing. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I am not preaching today that you need to go and strip all your nativity scenes of donkeys. Put the three wise men like in the other room because they're not coming for a few years. I'm not saying you can't enjoy the ho-ho-ho and the Merry Christmas stuff. Have a Christmas tree. It's not in the Bible. But enjoy that Christmas tree. Enjoy your Christmas. We went to a stinking mall last night just to enjoy Christmas. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying, can we get back to, like, can we understand at least all this superfluousness is not the focus, should not be the focus. It's fun, it's enjoyable, it's festive. I love it. I'm loving all the red and green in here this morning. Red and green, not in Scripture. Jesus, the angels didn't say the official color scheme of Christmas is going to be red and green. Glory to God. It's not what it says. I think Coca-Cola actually came up with that. But it's a marketing thing. And it's Fun, I love it. I'm not saying, please understand. What I am saying is that let's make sure that we understand, most importantly, what this, this celebration, this holiday, this extravaganza, it's, listen, it should be celebrated. It should be shouted from the rooftops or the hills and everywhere. Why? Because Jesus Christ is born. Jesus Christ is born. He came to bring peace to human beings where before we have no peace. And I'm telling you, you can have that peace today. Not only can you have that peace between you and God today, you can start to live a life that is marked with peace. 
that exemplifies peace, that shares the peace of God with other people. That can be your reality only because of Christmas. Only because of Christmas. You want to keep Christ in Christmas? Be at peace and bring peace. Trust that God has this. He's got this, right? Don't let fear of tomorrow cripple your today. Thank him for your blessings. Well, somebody, somebody else has more than I do. I didn't say that. The more you think about what they have that you don't have, the more, the, the, the least amount of, you'll have less peace. That's what I'm trying to say. But the more you focus on the blessings of God, the more you will see that you have everything you need. Stop looking for things to satisfy you and bring peace. They will never satisfy. The only thing that can bring peace is the Prince of Peace. Then, once you got that, feed the hungry. Bring some peace. Clothe the naked. Bring some peace. Forgive the guilty. Bring some peace. Even if the guilty is you. Some of us need to forgive ourselves for some things. God can. Why can't you? Welcome the unwanted. Care for the ill. Love your enemy. And do unto others as you'd have them do to you. Receive the peace that Jesus brought. He already did it. I could actually say it in the past tense that Jesus brought. Because if he didn't brought it, he can't bring it. He brought it, and he brings it to you. Receive the peace that Jesus brought. And then extend the peace that he so graciously gave to you. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the season, and I thank you for all the fun it is. God, I, thank, I love seeing the look on my kids' face when they open up their presents on Christmas morning. I love it. I love decorating the Christmas tree. I love going to the mall. That sounds nuts. I love this time of year. I love going into a shopping center and hearing Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, played over the PA. Lord, I ask you today, Help us to fully enjoy this season by, by really implementing what it brought us in the first place. The Prince of Peace, the God of the universe, made flesh and dwelt among us. I don't know how you squeeze yourself into that little baby, but you did, so that we might have peace with God once again that we might have inner peace in this life amidst the darkness of the times that we live in. Jesus came into one of the darkest times in human history. Lord, you came so that we may extend your peace to other people. God, help us to celebrate the true aspects of what happened on that Christmas day. And then enjoy the other stuff too. Let us not forget 
Lord, I, I pray over my brothers and sisters right now. Peace. Peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, also believe in me. Jesus said, in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it weren't so, I would have told you about it. But I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. He's got this thing taken care of. Don't let the struggles of this life steal your peace. Rob you of your joy. Let him guide and direct and guard your heart in Christ Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name.